This is the 3D Pod, your number one source for 3D printing news, analysis, and insight from 3dprint.com. Now, here are your hosts, Joris Peels and Maxwell Bogue. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the 3D Pod. My name is Joris Peels, and I'm here again with Maxwell Bogue. Hey, everyone. Happy 2021, Joris. Yeah, I'm so glad that 2021 is getting off to a good start and everything's back to normal again. <laughs> yeah, totally normal. Yeah. <laughs> that crazy year gone and uh, now we're just sailing smooth into a rational universe. Yep. That's right. Nothing nothing happening that's new after the 6th of January. Nope. <laughs> so, <laughs> nothing at all. Nothing at all. How are you doing? Mom? I'm good. Thankfully we're we're going to be talking about 3D printing right. and and 3D printing software today, so yeah. I think uh, it's a good topic to uh, broach into. <laughs> it feels very safe. It does. Yeah. It feels very safe. And God forbid you just finished an American history book. Seriously. <laughs> you just finished writing one or something. Yeah, right, because you're going to have to rewrite that. Uh, <laughs> so, who do we have today? All right, today we've got uh, Bradley Rothenberg. Uh, Bradley's the co-founder of uh, Entopology. Entopology is... Kind of, it's like a, a 3D modeling or CAD uh, package that is really meant for you know digital manufacturing or digital production, 3D printing, and other technologies. And it's meant to let you iterate quickly and make changes quickly. So the idea is that normally we've got MIRBs based or facet based, or well, normally you're trying to describe a mesh through a lot of triangles, and that's fine. And we have that wonderful STL file format uh, that we all uh, love. Um, and uh, that's fine, but if you start getting like, for example, many facets, or if you start getting like really big 3D scans, or if you start getting uh, like a lot of uh, uh, really complex parts, you know, to manipulate, re-render, or change a part is going to be really, really uh, complex. So what Entopology is trying to do is, well, use formulas to describe the uh, to describe the shape uh, that you're that you're working with, and then allow you to interact quicker with it, test things, and even uh, and, and work yeah, in a more modern way with much more complicated shapes and geometries. So that's that's really kind of cool. And it's cool that it's a small company taking on, uh, you know, the Dassault's and the, the Autodesk of the world. So that's uh, we're really happy to have. Welcome, uh, Brad. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. And I, I'm glad we're in a safe space here to start off the year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's good. To talk about 3D printing, right? To talk about 3D yeah. printing. It's actual <laughs> software yeah. designed for 3D printing yeah. specifically. Yeah, exactly. So I tried to describe a little bit, Brad. You, 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 you could do a much better job, I think. Um, what is Entopology? Yeah, I, well, I mean, first off, I think it's helpful to understand the name. A lot of people ask us, where does the name Entopology come from, right? Um, and basically, it, 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 you know, topology is how you represent the shape. It's like the structure of a shape. And we use the letter N to mean any topology, right? So like, a, you know, you could have a sphere or a donut. Those two different shapes have different topology. You know, you could think of N topology as the ability to make any shape, any topology. Um, what's, what's interesting is it's kind of a, five, a side note where like the N could actually be no topology also compared to CAD where you have the topological structure of cert of a BREP model with like faces and edges. Um, we don't have that. We, we, as you said, in the beginning, we use these sign distance fields to describe our geometry. And really the, the, the mission was to in building and topology was to remove all geometric bottlenecks to design, to empower engineers, to design the most revolutionary products out there. And we, we do this by making, you know, the most advanced engineering technology accessible 
to, to all engineers, this technology of working with these sign distance fields, which is, you know, usually an advanced expert level um, concept. We make it that any engineer could, could use it because of, because of the software itself. And, and we can get into some more of that as well. Yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to yeah. explore it a little bit because what is it? So, just for like, we got. We have to assume that we've got a couple of levels of people, uh, and we've got maybe some people listening that, that are users of yours. We've got maybe some people who are 3D printing people, but maybe not necessarily CAD people. So, so generally, yeah, we've got nerves or faces, and tell us about that and how that changes to to, to your model or what the advantages are of that. Yeah. Well, so when I started NTOP, you know, I I always felt limited by the, the the CAD tools and design tools because I was like, okay, I just want to, you know, you look at the design of a human bone, for example, and with the human bone, you have, you know, the, the wall thickness of the bone is thicker where there's higher stresses in the bone and thinner where there's less stresses. The orientation of the structure internally of the surfaces follows where the principal stresses flow through the bone. It's a really optimized structure. And if you wanted to try and do that with a, with CAD, you, I wouldn't even know where to start. In order to represent structures on that level of complexity that that have you know it's a structure with a lot of holes in it essentially you you need to be able to represent structures with with really large topologies and you can't do that with a surface based model right like it, it, it goes back to when CAD was initially designed and engineered in the late seventies as a replacement for drawing and drafting right when you're when you're drawing a part you don't really need to represent what's inside. So like back to the bone example, if you're going to draw the bone, all you need to do is just draw the outside of the part, right? And, and you're making that. And with traditional manufacturing, that's how things were made. The, the, the inside of the bone was never designed and engineered. It was, it, was, it was the material that was made, right? Like with traditional manufacturing, you're starting with a material that's made. It has specific material properties from that are qualified from who's producing it, you know, whether it's a, you know, 7,000 series aluminum and it's, it's made under very specific conditions. And then you, to, to build your part, you're cutting away at that existing material. Um, along comes 3d printing. And now all of a sudden the material is being designed and engineered and built while the shape is being designed and engineered and built in the process, right? Like the, the material properties you can control as you're building it. You basically are, you know, you're, you're, you're building up the crystal structure of the material while you're building the outside of the part. And now because of that, you have all of this new ability to design, to, to access and make something like bone or of that complexity. Right. And however, the design tools were not, at a at a point where they could allow you to design structures of that complexity. So 3D printing comes along in the last you know 20, 30 years and is this revolutionary new way of manufacturing. But now, you know, when when NTOP, when NTOP was started, the design tools were the bottleneck. And specifically it was in the way the geometry was represented. Because in the late 70s, early 80s, CAD was built to to, to, to move work. drawing and drafting. Yeah, it was, it was built to move drawing and drafting to the computer. So when I started NTOP, I was like, hey, let's, let's look, let's just throw out, let's, let's start from first principles and say, how can we use the computer to engineer parts better? And let's, let's, let's look at what's the right data model to digitally represent geometry on any complexity. And that's where we made the switch. It was, it was, a, big, it was a big move because you know, we're changing how 
the geometry is represented. So we still need to like integrate with those existing data models, which we can finally now do as of last year. But, um, you know, we, we were like, okay, how can we, what's the right model? And we, we, we found this, this mathematically defined shapes through sine distance fields make a lot more sense because you're essentially, you're essentially storing a representation of the, the full 3D solid as a set of mathematical equations that can build up in complexity. And then you're using the fact that we have all of these cores of compute in a computer now, whether it's a multi-core CPU or GPU with thousands of cores, to then evaluate those equations to, to render the model on the screen, to build the tool paths to manufacture it, or to make a drawing of it. I think it's clear, I think, that you can, this, this, if you're looking at a microstructure, you're looking at gradient parts and stuff, that this is like a much more advantageous model. But if we look at SDL, these winding triangles, why is that so cumbersome? You know, describing these winding triangles, if you ever looked at an ASCII or whatever, uh, a SDL file, why would that be so cum cumbersome for like a modern uh, computer to calculate? So say you want to make the, the bone structure. You have to represent that bone as a surface, essentially, right? As, mm -hmm. as, as all of those little, as, you know, millions and billions of triangles, which take up a lot of space on your, on, in, in memory, and then you have to evaluate those triangles. Now, if you want to figure out, okay, where is this bone going to be more dense and less dense? You know, you don't know anything about the inside or the outside of those triangles of the surface, right? If you just have the outside of the bone represented. With the sine distance field based model, it's very easy because again, you're just evaluating, you can evaluate this equation wherever you want, whether you're inside or outside, and, and the equation can tell you exactly, okay, this is gonna be this density here, this is gonna be that density here, this is gonna be this thickness here, this is gonna be that thickness here. It's the transition from surfaces to fields. So really understanding the 3D shape itself. So a model that could be, you know, a five gigabyte STL of some advanced, you know, heat exchanger with thousands of surfaces, you know, hundreds of thousands of surfaces inside, separating two domains where fluids need to exchange heat into one another, that same model represented as a sine distance field is, is going to be 16 kilobytes. Ooh. And I liked, I like, I, by the way, I like to joke that, which is, it's, it's actually true that the, the renderings, a JPEG or a PNG of the parts generated in topology are usually bigger Larger. files <laughs> than the actual geometry itself. And, but what we're doing really is we're offloading, the work to the compute cores and right. doing the compute in multiple cores. But it's, I find it an interesting approach. Like I've always said that one of the limiting factors of 3D printing is actually the software. And not just from the user interface perspective, but just the way that it's all developed. And what you're talking about is really a fundamental rethinking of how we generate three-dimensional files on a computer for then the purposes of making you know, 3D prints or, or however you're doing it. It's much more fundamental of, of as you said, describing every aspect of the file, internal structure as well as external structure, and not from a surface perspective. So I find this intriguing. Yeah, and uh, it's, 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 a, it's a fundamental shift, and it, it, ultimately it allows you to iterate much quicker through the design process, because if you have to store four gigabytes of data, and you, know, you make one change to the model, it's going to take hours to update. Right, right. You can do all of those design changes and see the updates in real time in NTOP 
And then at the end, when you're ready to like kick out your gigantic CLI file or whatever that has to go to the machine to build the part, then you can wait that same amount of time it takes to make the, the, the CLI. But ultimately, you're, you can work through the design very quickly. So I was looking online and I was just looking at some of the screenshots of the interface. The interface looks relatively similar to um, like an existing CAD software, SolidWorks, Rhino, what have you. Is, is that true? Or I mean, I just saw a couple quick picks, so I wasn't sure. So we, we built the user interface so it looks and seems familiar. However, there's a, a, a difference in how the actual tree works like the thing on the left mm -hmm. in, the, in the user interface, that's where you're interact. That's where you're building up essentially a recipe for your design, right? Because NTOP, our software, essentially what you're doing is you're, you're designing a process where the part is the output, right? And you're building up this process of, you know, you might consume some surfaces that a model has to connect to. You might specify some requirements like a heat exchanger needs to have some, you know, certain thermal properties and certain heat exchange properties. And then you might run some analysis and then to validate the design and you might have some variables that you can change like wall thickness, you know, number of surfaces. Maybe there's some topology optimization there to, for the connectors so you can remove some material if you want. But you're essentially building a very like fit for purpose process for engineering where the part is the output. And because of that, we have this concept of blocks. Now this is a little bit like specific to the software. So for those who haven't, seen the software maybe this won't make sense yet but we have these blocks and you're building up you basically are building a process by connecting these blocks together that's you're you're building a recipe and that recipe then can be used by others in ntop as the, blocks themselves so, so you can build your own blocks essentially. Are the, right yeah are the blocks almost like blocks of code yes but it's a visual yeah exactly and actually the coding analogy is a, is a pretty good one because you might make you might be at a, an engineer at a company working close to a 3D printer and you might make a few blocks of structures that you've qualified and validated and then you can give those blocks to other designers at your company and they can then use those. Like maybe you've, you've made a block that, that says, okay, for heat exchangers, I know these three structural types are buildable. I don't know anything about the analysis, but I've tested out building them. I've done some coupon studies and I know that these are the parameters that a designer can change and it'll still be, still be buildable. So if we're looking at these kind of blocks, I think it's really interesting because it's, it's, it's similar to the Yahoo pipes. I don't know if you remember that at all, uh, or also grasshopper as well. And I understand also the, the funny thing is a lot of people that are like Python minded or like new to 3d modeling, but they have tried things in grasshopper. They find that kind of approach really yeah, quite interesting. And is it also mean that we can do a kind of thing where you know, let's say you're the genius 3d modeler, and then I'm kind of an okay kind of person, and then I can build upon your work. Is that, is that also a way we can use these blocks? Or yeah, yeah, that's that's like you, you nailed it. Um, and actually, it is a lot like Grasshopper in some ways. Like we actually made a decision early on that we didn't want to have a node-based um, mm -hmm. user interface. We wanted the user, we wanted the way you work with these blocks to look more like a tree, like mm -hmm. a traditional CAD user would be more familiar with that we could potentially break out the same structure as, as a node based The issue with the node based is you end up getting this spider web that's hard to understand. And so yeah. there's some, some advantages with having this kind of hierarchical block connecting blocks and stuff where you're dragging the blocks into other blocks, but it is, a, it's a lot like grasshopper and, and that's spot on the, the, the expert 
And we have, you know, in our user base, roughly like 18% of the users now are, are like NTOP experts and they're producing the majority of new, new blocks that other others are then consuming and using and learning. And then that's kind of, I guess what I mean when I say, yeah, our, our, our mission, the way we, we, the way we accomplish our mission is by making this the most advanced engineering technology available to all engineers. And that's through these blocks that experts are creating. So wait, does that mean I can, I can, if I work for GE or something, then, I, then I'm not exactly very happy with this idea, right? Or, or can I keep blocks to just GE or my own team? Or, or do I make them implicitly for everyone in the, uh, in the community? Or how does that work? I mean, it's up to you who you want to share them with, right? It's not, it, you can keep them specific to, like we have, you know, we have some of the biggest customers in aerospace, automotive, medical, and consumer electronics. And they're, a lot of them are, they're not sharing this stuff. Yeah. They're doing. Some, of the coolest, some of the most interesting stuff I've seen. What? I know I tell them every day when I go on site, I'm like, you guys, this is really valuable to like all of your competitors, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Why are you sharing this? Exactly. Yeah. Just put it out there. It'll actually, the thing is, it's, it's like programming, right? Like there's yeah. certain stuff that's really low level that you would want to put out there because others are going to build on top of it and actually make it better for you. And then there's other stuff that you're not going to put out there, like stuff that might actually produce the actual part in the end. And there's some special stuff in it. So yeah. what if I get excited by this? Is there a way for me to, to, to or the user, uh, the listeners to, to test drive and top uh, any, any. Yep. Yeah. You can go to the website and, and get a trial of the software. I, what I would do is I would go onto YouTube to the Entopology YouTube page and look mm -hmm. at the Entop Lives and find the Entop Live that you like the most. Mm -hmm. Click on the link in the description and you download. You could download the the blocks from that from that um, YouTube, yeah. and that's a good way to get started. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. and because it's... you want you want to get started and build off of build off of something that somebody else has already done because you can kind of like you can go to the videos download the, mm -hmm. the sample files and put your own data in it and see what it does mm -hmm. for it. Like if you want to do like a texturing example, right. A faded texture example, you know, <laughs> like the, you know, like a faded haircut, for example, you want to make. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, and who are your users then? You, you did mention some companies, but what is it? Is it like, is it the full on CAD designer, mechanical engineer, or who, who are the typical kind of end top users? Typical NTOP users are mechanical engineers working with advanced manufacturing that are frustrated by their CAD tools not being able to do what they want. It's, it's not usually like your traditional like draftsman CAD user that is producing drawings and simple polygonal parts all day. It's usually, so it's usually mechanical, it's usually an engineer who is being forced to use CAD to solve engineering problems mm -hmm. um, and working with CAD data a lot, but they can't produce what they want to produce, whether it's like optimizing the inside of a wing structure, building brackets for helicopters or aircraft or, you know, heat exchangers, engine components, lightweighting applications, um, bone osseo integration for bone implants and osseo integration, meaning how, how bone grows into a implant. So can you export your end top uh, files into an STL format to print on like a home yep. printer or G code or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, you can absolutely. We make we make a joke where we say no STL. Yeah, <laughs> all over the place. However, there's a little secret I'll let you guys into and the user base. 
which is the majority of our users are still using STL to go right. into their other processes. Um, you can also now export a, a step file so you can get CAD surfaces of your model. Oh. Obviously, obviously for parts that are as complex as a heat exchanger, yeah, yeah. you're not going to want that. But <laughs> you, might, you might want just the outside shape of the heat exchanger that was optimized in NTOP because it needs to fit with an assembly. And so you'll, you'll definitely export a step file of that and go back into your mainstream CAD system so it, so it works with their process. There's also, you know, for metal 3D printed parts, you can export directly the slices um, as CLI file and do some of the hatching strategies as well. I love the idea of being able to design like a part of the microstructure or kind of like the performance of the metal and design your own material you know, your own material for every part that, that keeps coming up in, in the 3d pod, that kind of idea of being yeah. that every part is a material and you can design it. And then of course, we're always saying that as a kind of hypothetical or we have some limited examples, but it seems like with top you could probably make that kind of happen. Yeah, absolutely. And actually uh, this is something that Oak Ridge national lab is doing in NTOP right now where they're using the fields in NTOP to control and drive the material parameters for our cam machines. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing I also thought of too, we can also for, for like HP and, and processes like that, we can also export the voxels of the model as well. So like our sign distance field model is a very, it's an exact representation of the geometry that we can then, you can then <laughs> downgrade. Build. Down, yeah. It's like downgrading. It's like yeah. downsampling. You can, you can actually, you can really use that. You're sampling. Yeah. You're degrading your data so you can build to it. print it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And is it, does this kind of like uh, it's also always manifold, right? Or. Yeah. It's or, it, with the sign distance field model, it's always going to have an, in, it's always going to generate a part with an inside and an outside. And, and so does that mean, so there's the, this has also been called like FREP or something and volumetric modeling and uh, what else this is other implicit modeling and stuff like that, right? So yep. there are other people trying to do this and I've, I've tested a bunch of packages and they tended to, to really make my computer overheat. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, that was the thing. So what differentiates you from people who are doing similar types of modeling using this um, assigned distance function and stuff like that? I mean, the big difference for us is we're, we're storing the equations directly and always working off the equations and we're not like meshing it to render and we're not building voxels. Mm -hmm. to render on the GPU either. We're, we're, we're working directly from the sign distance field itself, um, mm -hmm. which make, keeps the files small. It keeps the evaluations lightweight and easy. And mm -hmm. with our 3.0 release coming up, mm -hmm. you know, we, we, do, we use the GPU for like 15 to 20% of the work today. The GPU in 3.0 is like almost 100%. So it's, it's going to be in real time exact rendering, which is going to be kind of amazing to see. And, and then also like for, for NTOP itself, so that's a very technical definition of what makes us different. The main differentiators that are important to a user in NTOP, which differs us from other tools is really three things. The, the unbreakable modeling, right? Like NTOP is not gonna slow down regardless of complexity and size of the part because, and that, that that's because we don't have to build voxels of the part or a mesh of the part to render it. Even we use the sign distance field itself. Field-driven design means we can tie the parameters of the sign distance field itself to the simulation data. We can, we can convert CAD models to our sign distance field. We can convert 3D fields, whether it's temperature through a part or a vector field, we can convert that and use those parameters 
from physics and simulation to control and drive the design parameters automatically. Um, and then the remixability or the reusability, remixability and reusability of the workflows. So being able to, to, to produce your own blocks in the software and share those with others. Mm. I like this from a workflow because it feels very cam. Like it's a bit weird to say that, but if you you know the idea of being able to have a set a set a set of moderators that I apply to all orthopedic implants or something like that, um, that to me is it feels very like a very different way of thinking about it for for me then. But but I think it it really I like it as well as if you start thinking like that, it's going to really change how you design things. Right. That's that's like like that's so spot on. Like that's exactly like instead, and that's what I mean when I say. NTOP is about engineering processes where the parts are the output, right? Like, like it's much more valuable for you as a business to have a process for generating the most optimal osseo integration structures for medical implants than to just have like one product that has a, a good structure and then have to have designers always come up with new designs for that. We actually have a company that's using NTOP that designed and submitted 240 parts to the FDA after only using NTOP for two months. Like that's unheard of. You know what I mean? Like you can build, you're building lines and families of parts. Right. And, and we were seeing the same thing in aerospace where we're getting qualified parts. Like, you know, someone comes up with a workflow for designing, you know, one bracket on a helicopter that has to connect, you know, or, or think of like the bracket on your door of your car that connects the car door to your mm -hmm. uh, whatever the, 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 the frame. pillar, the frame. Yeah, exactly. You can then apply that same workflow to the other 300 brackets in that helicopter or car. But how does that work? Is like, like for example, like Boeing or something is, is standardized in Katia or something like that, right? Other people standardize on the show uh, stuff generally, or or have like AutoCAD as a, a you know. How does it work in a, in a in a company where there is there is a defined CAD universe or a PLM CAD universe? All of a sudden, some guy is saying, I want to use this thing nobody's ever heard of. How does, how does that work? Was that really difficult in the beginning? Or? So it, it definitely was difficult for us like two years ago to before we had a lot of the template files and examples and samples and the ability to integrate nicely with CAD data. Now that we're able to, to integrate with the actual CAD data and we have the example files, um, it's been pretty seamless in terms of like, you know, and, and also the engineers at these companies are very fed up because they just can't do it. Those yeah. tools were not built for solving their problems. And so as the engineers have been more fed up with their existing tools and as NTOP has hit a maturity level where we can actually pull in, like, like you're not using NTOP alone outside of an engineering workflow. NTOP is always part of a bigger engineering workflow, whether that's pulling Kadia data directly in NTOP, whether that's using integration software like Mode Frontier or Model Center to pull the data from Katia into NTOP or, and then into ANSYS. Like NTOP is always part of a bigger engineering workflow and it's used to solve some of the hardest engineering problems in aerospace, automotive, medical, consumer electronics. And NTOP, it's a key tool for specific parts that have to integrate into larger systems. And so it's it's always existing within this bigger engineering process and so there's and that's also what makes ntop really nice is you know once you set up the workflow and you're consuming the katia data and outputting some data to ansys and maybe back to katia or i could replace katia with nx or solidworks or a creo 
once you set up that workflow, if there's changes made upstream of NTOP, it's just automatic. You don't need to like have an engineer sitting there and like clicking and reselecting surfaces and doing all this other stuff. Like once, once that's built in, it becomes, if there's like, obviously there's going to be a change, maybe instead of the bracket connecting to two parts of the frame, it only needs to connect to one part of the frame. When that change happens, it's just, you just update the input in NTOP and boom, it regenerates your part. There's no, there's, there's no need to like go in there and click on surfaces again and like re-engineer fillets and stuff like that. Does it work, does it work with Linux? <laughs> so secretly there is a Linux version. Ah! <laughs> I'm not sure if we released it or not yet, but I, I, uh, some of our developers are on Linux and, uh, I think I think yeah, the a, Linux the Linux version is, for you. Yeah, good. Okay, perfect. <laughs> um, the Linux version is primarily for HPC use, so right. you, know, you can be running NTOP. It, it, like basically, you could once you set up the workflow and design the workflow in the NTOP user interface, you can just be running that in a in headless on you know in, on AWS or in whatever infrastructure you have and and be generating new parts and trying out different designs. Can you also then, does the file also, because one problem I've always had to these files is they're relatively dumb in the sense that uh, we saw that, I saw that way back when, uh, where, where a lot of the files are named like final, final V2, right? right. And, 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 and especially for 3D printing and stuff, it gets really, are you able to also inter make the, your files smarter in a way that they can, uh, have a little bit more kind of a, you know, more of a DNA function or more of a, uh, you know, more information about when it was created and how it can be used and that kind of thing or. Yeah. So we, we call, so, so we call the little tree on the left, a notebook mm -hmm. and we call it a notebook because it also includes things like comments. Um, there's custom properties that you can make. You could actually come up with your own naming scheme. So like for the medical device, so we have companies that are doing like medical devices for orthodontics and they need to generate labels for the pieces. They need to track, you know, they're generating thousands of new liners and trays and things like that per, you know, week. And they need to have labels and they need to track everything in a very precise way. And so that, that labeling and file naming scheme is actually part of the NTOP notebook. So when it outputs files, it's outputting them in an organized fashion that's where you would have control over. That's where you, you it, it's up to you to make that structure. Because mm -hmm. yeah, like, years ago, I came up with this idea, this SDNA is a stuffed DNA idea, where you'd, you know, you'd attribute everything and you'd also kind of maybe indicate what minimum wall thicknesses are, buildability, usability, that kind of thing. Oh All yeah, that, 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 of... that you can do in the, when you make the, the mm -hmm. if, if, I, if I would say I was, say, say you, we're like the superstar engineer who's sitting right mm -hmm. next to like an EOS M400. You're, you're running topology. You're, you're, you're using the topology optimization at NTOP and you want to figure out what are the men, what are the limits of the manufacturing constraints, yeah. right? We just, we just released manufacturing constraints in our topology yeah. optimization. It gives you ability to control like overhang angle, but you know, yeah. you as Yoris, you're a superstar and you've like, you know how to tune the material, the, the yeah. laser parameters in EOS, right? Like, mm -hmm. and you know, Okay, even though EOS tells me I could only, I have no idea what the, the so EOS, mm. disclaimer, I'm not, I don't know, yeah. EOS probably can print with low overhang angles, but say they say you can do a 30 degree well, overhang angle, and you, well, Superstar Yoris, is like, hey, I can do 15 degree, and yeah. you can build a custom block in NTOP that mm. limits that input to be within 
Like if someone puts in less than 15 degrees, it can throw an error or it can, or it can just make it 15. It could clamp it at 15 degrees, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And so it's, it's a fairly free system. So in some way it's, it's like the bazaar rather than the cathedral, right? Mm -hmm. It's a little bit, it's up to you to, to control that and design that. The advantage is you can make these very custom kind of fit for purpose blocks and tools that can solve and that can actually solve engineering problems. You do in some ways kind of compete with them a little bit, or do you see that also just working along together with them or something like that? It's actually totally working along with them together, right? Like we, we do have our own simulation stack and end top, but the simulation end top is primarily used to get an idea for the part. And then they're always output We're we're, we're doing a lot of pre-processing for, for simulation that's done for validation and ANSYS and we don't have CFD, for example. So for a lot of the heat exchanger applications, we're outputting meshes for their CFD tools. And we have a partnership with them. We're, we'll be launching a couple of applications together with mm-hmm. them that, that, that go from end top to workbench and, and back and stuff like that. And so. Because when I first, I remember when I was first, uh, when, uh, when I first, because uh, I, I used to kind of work, we both, Juan and I worked at uh, Shapeways, or I called him in Shapeways actually. And he, Dwan now. But you hired, so we, so we actually have a, um, we have a, we're similar. We both hired, we're both crazy enough to have hired no. Dwan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Dwan also works at uh, Entopology. So I followed the startup from, from like, and that's the first I heard of him. It was like a LinkedIn update. I was like, what? I was like, what is he doing? <laughs> and, and, and I didn't understand. And, and then, and then when I, when I saw like stuff about simulation, I was like, oh, I guess I want to sell to answers. Right, because <laughs> that's why that's why anybody would do simulation. Because otherwise, going up against them is just stupid, right? But um, the, 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 this begs the question. First of all, like you guys have been doing this for a while. You just did a round for forty million. Um, this means you're trying to go the distance, right? Um, yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. I mean, like again, my goal is to to bring the most advanced new engineering technology to market and and make it you know enable it to become the standard for how the most advanced products are designed what kind of what kind of timeline do you see that though like are you envisioning in the next five to ten years of of just being everywhere so to speak well everywhere that uses cad (laughs) i mean we're now we we you know the biggest customers that are building that are engineering components are using ntop right now Mm -hmm. right we have we're in all the best accounts now are the our user base in those accounts you know, is, is not as big as the traditional, we're not on every engineer's computer yet, right. but I want, you know, NTOP should be on every engineer's computer. And as we add more workflows and, add more, and as engineers develop more applications that will spread in those accounts. And we're seeing that, right? Like Lockheed Martin is our biggest customer mm-hmm. right now. We're being used at every business area at Lockheed on some of their most critical programs. You know, there's thousands of engineers using NTOP weekly right now and um, in, in hundreds of accounts. Do you envision though, like a, a, you know, an at-home version at some point as well, or something where, you know, <laughs> definitely, yeah, absolutely, or an um, educational version. Yeah, yeah. well, ed, so there is an education version. Okay. So for yeah. anybody who has a edu email, you can get NTOP for free. Oh. Um, it's totally free for all education usage. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the license is for non-commercial use. Right. Right. But. And all lecturers also get it for free. So, yeah, that's cool. And how did you get started? Because it's a bit an esoteric thing to say, 
I'm going to come up with this new way new of way. modeling and then, <laughs> then commercialize it. I mean, did you just wake up one morning and we're like, okay, I'm going to like do AutoCAD, but then different or, you know, what's the... this. I, well, do I had this, I had this dream one night. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> was it about a pest dispenser? No, that's, that's <laughs> never. That's not how startups work. It's, it's right, a, <laughs> right. I mean, I like it was. It 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 did come from me being fed up with the way the traditional engineering, the traditional design tools were used. You know, trying to make lattices in a, in yeah. a tool like NX or Katia or I was using SolidWorks at the time. Um, and, I was, and, and it was right when I was in architecture school working in the 3D printing lab. And I was also fed up. It, like, I didn't end up in architecture because, you know, everybody, everybody in architecture school looked at the 3D printer and was like, hey, we're going to make these little mini buildings like Zoolander, like little right, models of buildings. Right. And I'm like, this is a manufacturing technology. Like what? I'm in the wrong industry, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it was a combination of 3D printing being an enabler of designing. I like... To be honest, when I was in architecture school, I was just doing all of my architecture projects in the computer. And um, I was obsessed with just making as the, the most complex designs I possibly could with the, with the engineering tools. And I was forced to, to learn to, to program because the traditional CAD tools, I couldn't do what I wanted to do. I'd like look at a piece of a tree and a bone and be like, hey, I want to model that. And I was like, what am I going to do? I can't do that. I tried using, and then I tried, like, I was using some of the, the like Maya and the programs that the animators use, but then you, you can't get anything that you can make out of that because you get a bunch of non-manifold stuff and it's all mesh based. Mm -hmm. And so we came upon this implicit modeling technology and, and it opened up the, this huge potential for me. And I was going, I was doing a lot of 3d printing work and speaking at 3d printing conferences. And it was, it, I actually was working on this. I was working on this high energy laser mirror that was, optimized to go into space and it was it was a project that the advanced technology center at lockheed was was doing it was for the spie optics conference and um it was clear to me that there was a need for new engineering tools and and that was the beginning of ntop we started in, to, in 2015 and, and here we are today but the runway for that is quite long right the runway to revenue i mean you, you have to build it first in order to get some degree of revenue uh, so how did you find like a money, the investors? How was that? What was that path like? Uh, very bumpy. <laughs> yeah. Like it was like a, it was like a dirt road with a lot of, uh, actually the road around the corner from my apartment hasn't been paved since like the beginning of the pandemic. And it's, it's like that basically, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, you know, we, we, we started by building a very simple lattice generating tool element. We got some very big names to start using that software. I was able to find really good investors. It took me a long time to find the right investors, but Avedon at Root VC has been the most, you know, he was our, our earliest supporter and he's backed us every single funding round. And he, mm -hmm. like, kind of funny side note story. We, we met at a coffee shop. I, actually, we met at this hardware. We met in San Francisco at this hardware uh, meetup. And he's like, oh, yo, go pitch NTOP at this. And it was the first time I ever got in front of a crowd and talked about NTOP. And I was like, oh, that was exhilarating. That was fun. And he was like, oh, good job. Let's meet when, when I'm in New York. And then we met in New York, me and um, Greg, who co-founded the company with me. And, you know, I, I pull out my computer and I'm just about to get into a demo of Element with him. And Greg comes out with coffee and spills it all over him. 
Luckily, it missed the computer, so my computer was okay. <laughs> so you're still able to do the demo? <laughs> yeah, but he's covered in coffee. Yeah. And I open up Element, and it was it happened to be this, like, shoe sole. I had two models that I could open up. It was, like, a shoe sole design and some, like, and, and the high-energy laser mirror um, that was with Lockheed. And he was like, okay, that's cool. And I was like, yeah, I could just change this parameter here, and boom, the whole thing updates. And he was like, wait, what? And he was familiar with seeing demos from Caddy. Like that's like no demo of any 3D software I've ever seen. Like let's 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 build what this are you doing? potential here. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's that's how I met Avidon. And a couple, you know, about a year later, Lockheed because they were big users. Right. They they invested in the company. We had a great we did we did a good Series A. Really solid investors. Every single round we brought in the right investors with this you know Series A. DCVC and Root both both let it. Series B. That's, a, that's also Kanan. something that uh, uh, Alessio said of, of, of Rebose as well, just finding the right people. And how do you bring in, find well, the right people? A lot of people I, I talk to who are fundraising are like, I'm looking for anybody. So well, that's, like, the wrong, so that's, yeah, that's the wrong. That's the wrong. That's the wrong. That's the wrong way because yeah. the the thing is, there's a lot of investors out there, and the engineering software space is not a space where it's 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 a deep technology space and a lot of the companies even though we're a software company the time to market it's you know it takes time to generate it's it's a lot about it's a lot about reputation right a company like lockheed or any of the other gigantic aerospace companies that are using us you know whether it's northrop raytheon boeing etc um you know it's it's about reputation and they're not just gonna use any software tool or they might like demo it but they're not but they won't be ready for prime time right? right it takes time to get there and it takes a targeted approach to going to market with a new software like not it, it I, I can recommend to any other founder out there don't try and just like compete with the cad companies <laughs> and the incumbents or ansys <laughs> it's a bad idea um because they have such distribution and they're, they actually want to work with companies like us that have, that can solve problems that their customers have every day. Right. But in terms of finding the right investor, it's about finding somebody who understands and has invested in and hard technology. The, the advantage of engineering software space is the market is gigantic and it just takes a little bit longer to generate that, but it, we will constantly be growing because the market is so big and the market is growing. And so, it's it it it's about finding investors that understand that aspect and that you feel like you can, like in, in investors you know when you're when you're building a, a software company it's so much about it's a product based company and investors their business model is like services and so it's about finding an investor you can connect with you can build trust with and that understands the that this is a a deep technology problem and I'm happy to talk to other founders out there who are in the space that that want to talk more specifically about like my experience fundraising and stuff like that. That's awesome. So nice of you, man. Super chill. Generally, I mean, I think I think how big are you guys now? Are you are you are you, are you keeping? Are you on a hiring binge? Are you growing? How are you going to deploy this this money? We have been on a slight hiring binge lately. We're close to a hundred people now. Um, I don't know what the exact number is, but it's close to a hundred, you know, in terms of deploying this capital, it's a, it's, it's about scaling our sales organization mm. 
and delivering on the product goals that we want to deliver on with the 3.0 launch um, coming up in April and past 3.0 also enabling more of the, the shareability, the infrastructure behind NTOP to, to, to reuse and remix these workflows and stuff like that. Uh, but it, if it, and it's about scaling globally. We, we have a team in Germany. We have a partner network now in Europe and Japan and starting to expand into Asia as well. Oh, you've, you've been mainly focused on the U.S. or North America. Uh, last year, second half of last year, we started expanding into, into Europe. Oh, so you Asia. have a lot of room to grow. <laughs> that's yeah. good. It's good for you guys. That's, that's really good. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, we have 10 people in Germany. Uh, 10 people in Europe right now. That's cool. And the, another thing is, uh, I thought it was a bit, I made fun of that in an earlier article about you guys being the most hipster of, um, <laughs> uh, of the startups we had. Because <laughs> there, there was a lot of, you have really nice mustaches and beards, by the way. Point that out, all of you. Um, but um, but so you guys are in New York, right? And I would always think that would be a really expensive place to be. And I could understand it if you were like on, uh, you know, working in maybe advertising or media or something. But why does it make sense for you guys to be in New York? So, well, with the pandemic now, it's actually not expensive to be in New York. Like the real estate <laughs> market crashed here, <laughs> and how apartments are like. You know, I could get a one-bedroom apartment right now in the Lower East Side around me and my neighbor in my neighborhood, that's like $1,500 a month before they give you four to six months free rent. And so you could almost, and, and if you share an apartment, you people, I know people that are living for $600 a month right now. Yeah. I'm renegotiating my rent. It's, right yeah. <laughs> I'm actually, my lease is up February 15th and I'll be renegotiating exactly as well. I mean, it's, and, and the commercial real estate market is also crashing, although we, we have this lease that's hard to get out of, but um, that's another story. Um, but you know, New York city for me, it, I, I want to make New York city the new center for 3d solid modeling. There's a lot of companies doing advanced manufacturing stuff, whether it's at new lab or in New York, you know, it attracts a different type of engineer than that. We can attract any engineer to New York, anybody I can get to move to New York. And I think, you know, if you're starting a startup, when I started NTOP, you know, the, the place to start a startup was San Francisco, first, mm -hmm. then New York, and then maybe Boston. And I didn't want to be in San Francisco. Um, and I think New York was the, was the best decision for us to start and to grow the company in because one, at the time we had a really big hiring advantage because there was nobody, if, if you wanted to be in New York City doing 3D work, we were the company, and we still are the company to join. Now there's more companies in New York doing 3D stuff. Um, the other aspect of New York City is maybe people don't know this, but you know some of the best 3D geometry processing program. Actually, the best geometry processing program in the world right now is at NYU, that Dennis Oren runs at at Courant, their math mm -hmm. in, their, in their math department. Um, also, Columbia has a fantastic mechanical engineering program, and so I knew starting the company here, we'd have we'd be able to attract some of the smartest people out there. And that that's worked really well. And we, we work very closely with those two universities. Hey, Brad, thank you so much for your time today. And uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And, and thank you for being on the 3D pod. Yeah, this is fun. It's a nice break from the, the beginning of the year. Uh, news cycle. <laughs> a different, a different, this is a more exciting news cycle for me. Right? So. Yeah, no, exactly. This is good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go download a demo version after this. I'm really interested to see what this can do. So. Yeah, do it. And like I said, go into YouTube, find the, yeah. find the NTOP Live 
video for a workflow that you like, download that file and, um, and, and let us know what you think. Perfect. And, and Max, thank you very much for being here as well. Always a pleasure, Joyce. Thanks for hosting. Thanks for, you know, throwing this together. All right, man. Hey, <laughs> thanks a lot for listening uh, to the people who listened as well. And uh, yeah, this is the 3D Pod. My name is Joris Peels, and uh, this is a wonderful episode. And uh, thank you very much for being here. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the 3D Pod. For more information on what you just heard or to subscribe, visit www.3dprint.com or follow us at 3dprint underscore com.